We're in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Beware of counterfeit teachers. If you would, stand for reading of God's word. We honor God by standing when we read his word. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. This is the word of God. Please be seated. As you know, the theme of Second Peter by now is beware of the deception, beware of the false teachers, beware of the lies that are being pumped at you day after day after day, and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. If you grow in the Savior, you will not be deceived. Last week we talked about Peter. He's living out his final days. He's in the Mamertine prison. He's awaiting execution. And his execution isn't going to be like Paul's. We got his head chopped off and it was nice and smooth and quick. No, no, he'll be crucified, and history tells us it was upside down. But he's given an encouragement to his readers to remember. Remember, last week was remember. Remember what you have learned. Remember what I've taught you. And it's incumbent upon each one of us to remember what God has taught us as we have gone through our life. Pastor-teacher's responsibility is to help you to remember. Individually, we have responsibilities to help us to remind one another about the truth and the way that we are to walk out our lives on this side. Now, remember that life is complicated. Life is difficult. Life has struggles. Life has a way of taking you away from God's Word. And before you know it, you've kind of slipped off and now you're buying into less and less of the truth and more and more of the lies that are being pumped at you by the culture. You must stay close to God. You must stay close to the truth of his word. Remember this principle. If a lie is told long enough, people will tend to believe it. You say it over and over, people will tend to believe it. You can't even lie to yourself and come to believe the lie. And that is the truth. Now, I've mentioned this person many times, but it's a good place to mention him here is Joseph Goebbels, remember he was a Nazi propaganda czar, and he was responsible for the brainwashing of a nation, the nation of Germany in World War II. And he, he said this, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And he was so true. Remember this, truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. Last week we talked about what is truth. We wanted to define truth. Josh McDowell put it this way, a statement is true if it matches up with the way the real world actually is. A statement can be proven true if it matches with reality. And then his son, Sean McDowell, adds this. Truth is more than a concept. It's more than an abstract concept. It is in a person. Truth is in a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father except by me. Jesus Christ is the truth. Now, last week in verses 17 through 18, Peter was an eyewitness to something unbelievable. He was an eyewitness to the transfiguration of our Lord. When Jesus kind of like tore out his exterior and his glory just shone through. And Peter, James, and John were on the mountain with God and they observed this. This was a monumental moment for Peter. It's just something absolutely incredible that only three people in the world were able to see. Peter, James, and John. But he doesn't focus on that as being the main thing. The main thing he focuses on, we see it in verse 19 and 20, even with this incredible experience, 
to see the majesty of their Lord. He said, Scripture, the prophetic word, is what we are to focus on. Peter's focus was on the word of God in verse 19. The truth of the Scripture, the truth of the Scripture that we have in our hands, penned by men, but breathed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The word that we have in our hands is God breathed, penned by men, the Spirit of God leading these men on what to say. We have the word of God. It's been challenged through, the, through all of history. It started right in the Garden of Eden, has God thus said. But we know that from textual criticism and having the Dead Sea Scrolls validating that what has been reproduced is accurate. We went through this last week kind of in depth. We also have five to 6,000 New Testament Greek texts that tell us that this information has been transferred accurately. We have 98.5% textually pure text in your hands. And that 1.5% is simply little, little, little errors, little, little, little errors that have nothing to do with doctrine. Now, how can we be sure that our Bible is, is, supersedes all other holy books? Let's just put it that way. How, how do we know that this is more holy than the Koran, or more holy than the, than the Hindu Vedas information, or more holy than whatever Buddha puts out? There are several reasons why, just very quickly. Number one, you want to remember that the Word of God that you have in your hand is the only book in the world that has fulfilled prophecy. There is no other book that predicts something in, in hundreds or thousands of years before the event, and it occurs just exactly as predicted. There are hundreds and thousands of these in, in, in your Bible. There is none in any other book. Zero. Archaeological discoveries have validated the things that we see in the Bible. The internal consistency of the Bible, 66 books, 40 authors, written over 1,500 years on three continents and three languages with an integrated message from beginning to end. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And Messiah has come. Islam was written by one person, Muhammad, over a couple decades. And it's filled with contradictions. We have the Word of God in our hands. There's external evidence. Josephus and Tacitus are, are historians that validate the truths of what we see in Scripture. We have the resurrection of our Lord. And then we have the nation of Israel. Do you know that the nation of Israel is the only nation that has ever been displaced from their land, spread throughout the world, maintained their identity while they were spread throughout the world, and then re-inhabited their land? No other people group has done this. The nation of Israel gives credence that this is the true word of God. Now, this week, beware of anyone who attempts to take these truths from you. There is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1.9. Jeremiah 6.16 says this, Stand at the crossroads. Remember last week we had that little guy, little red guy at the crossroads. And you could go to the right, or you could go to the left, or you could follow God's path. And we stand there at these crossroads moments. Which way will I go? Which way will I turn? And the hopes are that you follow God's way. I stand at the crossroads and remember the ancient paths. Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things of old. I am God and there is no other. 
There is no other. Beware of counterfeit teachers. That's what we're talking about today. Beware of counterfeit teachers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, you are the one that teaches us. So, Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes to your word. Take the scales off. Make our hearts soft. Help our minds to be receptive to what you have for us today. Speak to us the truths that we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Religious phonies are a dime a dozen. You know, the world is full of them. Religious phonies, deception, fool the people. And if you are the one that is fooled, it may cost you dearly. Listen to the words of Christopher Edwards. He wrote a book, Crazy for God, and he says this. This book is about the rapid near destruction of a human being, myself. It is a story of deceit, manipulation, and terror, which thousands of young Americans experience daily at the hands of modern cults. Now, modern cults I, I, I define as mind stealers. Mind stealers. He says, my story began innocently enough when I was lured into a fun weekend in June of 1975 on a farm owned by a front group for Sung Young Moon's Unification Church. I was transformed from an intelligent, independent human being into a completely subservient disciple of my new Messiah. Terrified of questioning, dependent on my leaders for every move, ready and willing to die or even killed to restore the world under the absolute rule of Reverend Moon. In this book, he says, I describe my losing battle to retain my mind and, and, and will in a world of structured madness. And all I can say is, thank God that this guy was delivered from this cult. Deception is worse and worse today. It's worse than any time in history. I've said this many, many times. We have the Internet. We have YouTube gives people unparalleled access to strange, the weird, the, the, the unreal. Everybody's turning, young people are turning in, old people are tuning in, in-between people are tuning in. We're tuning in in droves, and falsely, our minds are being affected. Falsely, our minds are being, being affected. Bookstores, this, used, this kind of information used to be in bookstores reserved for the back room where it was pornography, the occult, the strange, the weird, but now it is right in front of you every day, easily accessed, and it's just coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. You have to be very, very careful. It's, it's meant to program you, to divert, divert you away from the truth, and eventually people will swallow the lie. It doesn't happen instantly. It is slowly, 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 just like when you're fishing, hook. And they got you. They got you. Hook, line, and sinker. Just think of this. Joseph Goebbels mesmerized an entire nation with speeches and leaflets. That's how he did it. Occasionally, a movie reel would go out, and maybe monthly or something like that, information would go out to the German people. Think of what he could have done with the Internet in brainwashing a culture. That is what is happening today in America. Amen. That is what is happening today. And I believe this. Now, this might sound strange to you who are not familiar with God's word. But I believe this is a prelude to the Antichrist coming onto the scene with strange signs and wonders and that sort of thing, deceiving the majority of the world into thinking that he is the promised Messiah. That's what the Antichrist is. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily... Anti could be two things. It could be... It could be against 
which he is against Christ, or it can be instead of or in replace of. That's what that suffix or that prefix actually means. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, 11 gets a little, gives us a little preview of this guy. The coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, is in accordance with the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. We are a setup for this. People are believing the strange, the weird, that sort of thing. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Deception among those who perish. Those who perish. Why? Because they, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Beware of counterfeit teachers. The stage is being set for the greatest counterfeiter of all, the counterfeit Christ, the one that comes instead of Christ and the replace of Christ. And many, 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 the majority of this world will fall for it. The majority will. Verse 1, counterfeit teachers. Folks, there is nothing new under the sun. Counterfeit teachers. But there were also false prophets among the people, nothing new, even as there will be false teachers among you from that time of Peter all the way up till now, who will secretly, oh, bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. False prophets, hear this, false prophets are working for the world's first con artist. The first guy, Satan. And notice the false teachers do it secretly. A little bit of information here, a little bit of information there. Mixed with some truth, but always the lie coming in to grab the person. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent, Satan, deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know what the simplicity that is in Christ is? The gospel message. Jesus came to this world, lived a perfect life, died for our sins on the cross, paid our debt on the cross. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. He's coming back. And that everyone that puts their faith in him says, I believe you, Jesus, that you died in my place. You will be saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel message. Amen. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. Now, the question is this. The question is this. What do counterfeit teachers always bring? What do counterfeit teachers always bring? The text tells us they secretly bring in destructive heresies. That destruction is ruin. They will always bring you to ruin. Heresies, is, it simply it means a view that is different than the norm, different than orthodox teaching, different than what the Word of God teaches. That is a heresy. That is a heresy. The counterfeits want you to choose between them and orthodox teaching, and they make it look so appealing and so real and so easy to embrace, but yet it will always, always, always result in destruction. It's a tragedy how many people get caught up in it. The lie is always destructive. The lie is always destructive. The lie is often camouflaged as the light. Looks true. Remember, there's always a little real cheese in a rat trap. There's always a little bit of right information. 
2 Corinthians 11.14 says this, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light and his ministers into, into ministers of righteousness. It's all a sham. It's all a sham. Jeremiah 23.16 gives us a little information on what the false prophets were teaching to the nation of Israel. Jeremiah is a prophet that, that prophesied before and going into captivity. He says, you're going to go into captivity. This is the reason. You've gone after other gods. This will happen. What happened in Jeremiah's time? False prophets rose up and says, oh, no. Oh, no, this isn't going to happen. That doesn't sound good. See, people want to hear something that sounds good. They want their ears tickled. People will run to anything that tells them what they want to hear. Run to anything that tells you. And he says at this time, these are false prophets. Listen to what God says. Jeremiah 23, 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of armies, do not listen to the words of the prophets, of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. In verse 21, he says this, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they have prophesied. In verse 25, he says this, I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed. How many people have, I have dreamed. Oh, this is a dream, and this is what God is telling us. And God wants me to tell you that everything's going to be great and wonderful and terrific in your life. And the, God says, no, you're going into captivity. I have dreamed, how long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets, prophets of deceit of their own heart who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor as their fathers forgot my name for Baal, the false god. And finally, in verse 30, he says this about the prophets. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord who steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says, God says, God told me. I'm against them. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and their wickedness. I am against them. You don't want to hear that. That the God of heaven, Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of armies, is against you. You do not want that. You want to be on the right team. You want to be on the right team. Now, how should we deal with counterfeit teachers? How should we deal with the counterfeit teachers? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says this, Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Test all things. 1 John 4.1 says, Test the spirits. Test the spirits if they are from God. Test them. And then you are to expose them. Expose them. That's what Jesus did. He exposed them. Do not allow the lie to go unchallenged. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees in John 8.44, the Pharisees were trying to keep the people away from Jesus. And they were lying about Jesus. They were saying that he is not the Messiah. And they actually wanted to kill Jesus. Several times they tried to kill him. Watch what Jesus does with these guys. This isn't like real sensitive. This isn't Jesus being, oh, I think they're seekers. I think they're, I think we'll be really sensitive to them. Watch how he deals with the lie. You are of your father, the devil. And the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Hear that. There is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of lies. 
But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears my words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. And he went on in this dialogue with the Pharisees all the way until he finally tells them in verse 58, 858, that he is the I am. The Exodus chapter 3, the I am, the Jehovah God of the Old Testament. I am. And they took up stones. This is the ego, am I? The I am. They took up stones to throw at him. It wasn't his time and he escaped. They tried to kill him because he had the truth. Jesus is the truth. Expose the lie, folks. Don't allow the lie to go unchallenged. You can be nice about it. I mean, you don't have to be in their face going, you liar, or something. You just tell them, hey, that's, have you ever considered this? This is the truth. Uh, the counterfeit's fate, a swift destruction, damnation. Don't miss that here. If you're going to stick with the lie, if you're going to stick with the counterfeits, it will end up in destruction. Now, I want everyone to hear this loud and clear. And make no mistake about this. God wins. In the end, God wins. And you who are of the truth are on the winning team. Don't you want to, everybody wants to be on the winning team. You're on the winning team. You're on God's team. You're on God's team. The winning team. Stay the course and win. Now I want to give you a summary, just a, a brief summary of the methodia, the, the tactics of Satan. Nothing new. These are old, tried and true ways that he works. First of all, he's a master at lying. We've already expressed that. It's his business to make his subject's weakness exploited. He tries to exploit your weakness. He knows you. The demonic realm has been watching you. They know you, know where you go and what you do. They know your proclivities. Secondly, Satan always targets the mind, the mind, to lead you astray. Because once the mind has been duped into the lie, the emotions will follow. And that's Satan's goal, to get you away from the Christ who loves you. And thirdly, Paul warns that Satan is, isn't in the habit of placing his repulsively wicked side in public display. Oh, it's always secret. It's always undercover. He disguises himself as an angel of light and subtly substitutes the lie for the truth. And fourthly, Satan doesn't do everything by himself. Matter of fact, he delegates. And he delegates to little demons that are assigned to different areas and different places, and also humans that have been duped. So you have the demons and the humans that have been duped into, into giving his counterfeit message to people. Counterfeit teachers, folks, there's nothing new. We are to expose them. Expose them. Verse 2, counterfeit teachers and the gullible, the gullible, those who get hooked, the gullible, watch this, and many will follow. How many? Many will follow their destructive ways because of, of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Many will follow their destructive ways. The gullible are the easily deceived. And let me say this. There is no such thing as innocent fun when you entertain counterfeits. There's no such thing as innocent fun. It all sounds so good. It all sounds so true. But if it clashes with the revealed word of God, Run for your life. I don't care how many cool kids are going to it, or cool families, or cool... If it clashes with the Word of God, exit stage left. Quick as you possibly can. And many will follow their destructive philosophies and ways. Look at the media. 
The media are in the business of conditioning the culture to embrace the strange, the normal, the occult. Look at more and more pornography on TV, more and more things that are anti-God, more and more absolute families that are not even remotely close to resembling what God has put in his word that a family should be. And yet that is all being extolled and put at us and put at us and put at us constantly. The counterfeit goal is to blaspheme, to hurt the reputation of the truth, to malign the truth, to malign the truth. Now, how do counterfeits get a foothold? You ever wonder that? How do they get a foothold into people's lives? Well, I can tell you, this is how they get a foothold. You must remove the truth before the counterfeit can have a foothold. You must remove the truth. The truth, and we remember we said, well, the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus Christ. You must remove Jesus from the centrality of the person's thinking, of the culture. Remove the person, Jesus, and you will remove the truth. And the people will follow their own made-up truth. See, people will always follow what they think is truth. Remember, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth. That's not true. That's not true. There's one truth. It's God's word. We rely on his truth. In America, God has been systematically removed out of the government, out of our schools, out of our businesses, and out of our media. The mainline media, it's out, God out. Now, what happens when people abandon God, when they abandon the truth? All we have to do is look at the nation of Israel, and we can know exactly what happens. In Judges 21-25, as they went through this cycle of discipline, coming back to God, falling away from God, over and over and over and over, until finally at the end of Judges it says this, bottomed out Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's my truth. It's right in my own eyes. I've gotten God out, and now I'm following my truth. And that's a lie. Jeremiah 16, 12, talking about Judah when they bottomed out. And you have done worse than your fathers, for behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart, so that no one listened to me. Abandon God. They abandoned God. Like Israel, hear this, like Israel, those who abandon God will be captive to something false. It's not neutral. It's not neutral. You cannot abandon God and be neutral. Either you're for me or you're against me, God says. It is not neutral, and you'll be captured by something else. You will swallow some lie, hook, line, and sinker. And remember, destruction is the goal. Pain and misery is the result. That's a universe. That's always. You think you're getting away with something. You think it's fine and fun and wonderful. It will always end up worse than you thought longer than you thought, and it'll be the greatest disappointment of your life when you turn away from God. So, it's nice to know all this stuff. Well, how not to be gullible? How not to be part of the many, the many, many, many? Remain close to Jesus. This isn't rocket science. Abide in him. Dwell in him. And you will never be gullible. He is your shepherd. Remember, he's the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, it says in Scripture. And he guides us, he guards us, and you know what else he does? He protects us. He protects us. The shepherd will, will protect you from any wolf that's trying to kill you. He will give his life for you. That's our shepherd who did give his life for us. Our shepherd will protect us. He will. Now, the truth is this. 
Hear this loud and clear. Every Christian must know this. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Nobody, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. For those who oppose God, this is the answer to them. Let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3, 4. And finally, Romans 8, 37 through 39. These are great verses. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're not victims. We're conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, that's talking about the demon stuff again, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what every Christian knows. We stand on that. That's our protection in this world of deception. Stay close to Jesus and you'll be safe. No fear. Jesus is your joy. Jesus is your peace. Jesus is your purpose. And you know what else Jesus is? He is your friend. You remember the song a long time ago? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. Do not be one of the gullible. Verse 3, and then we'll be through. Counterfeit teachers, no doubt about this, they will exploit you. They will exploit you. They will take advantage of you with the deception. By covetousness, now remember that's a desire for more and more stuff, covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. How do counterfeit teachers exploit? Deceptive words, made-up stories, anything that will draw you into their circle, anything that will lure you in. So again, some truth and a lot of lie. Just to hook you in. They'll tell you what you want to hear. Their motive, greed and control of you. That's what they want. They want money and they want to control you. Profit from you and control you. How does God view them? How does God view them? Judgment and condemnation will happen. Their doom is sealed. All counterfeit teachers will end up in the lake of fire, hell, unless they repent. They're no different than anybody else. They get the gospel message. They can turn. Many, many counterfeits have turned. Look, at we've turned. We were counterfeits. We bought into lies. And Jesus saved us. A miracle of miracles. <laughs> he saved us. Pitiful us. Remember your protection, John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Walk in the truth and who you are in Christ. The counterfeit false teachers cannot affect the believer's spirit. You've been born again. You've been given a new spirit. You've been taken from death into life, okay? But can target your soul, your mind, to deceive you. Remember, you are the temple of God. And I'm going to have an overhead here of the temple. The counterfeit teacher cannot affect your spirit, but can affect your soul and your mind, and you can be deceived. Now, on the overhead, I want you to notice, both of these people are born again. They have a new spirit, new spirit. Through here, and I want, I want, I want to go through this with you because it's a little bit busy. Now, this is actually, this is from... Chuck Missler's Architect of a Man, and this is a picture of a crude picture 
of what the temple looks like. This is the Holy of Holies. This is the holy place. This is the outer courts. Okay, both of these, deceived person and the non-deceived person. Notice this is, if you could see this, this is light. This is light going out into the world around you. Notice that the light, when you make bad choices, there is no light. It is, it is dark out here. Keep that in mind. Now, with that stated, the single-minded person, would be the one on the left, is the stable victor. They've been given a new spirit. They have a new heart. They have a new willpower. They're working in God's power. They have God's thought. And you go through your life making faith choices. And I don't know if you remember this, but these two pillars are significant. This one is Boaz. God is my strength. This one is Yaquin. These are actual pillars in the temple with these names. In his counsel. If I stay in his counsel, God is my strength. In his counsel, I can make faith choices. And I can do the will of God. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can have God's thoughts, God's emotions, God's power. I can walk in the Spirit. My soul is in line with my spirit. I'm not in conflict. And my body is going to live out what my thinking is at that time. So I'm spirit-filled. My thinking has changed. And I'm going to live a life that is single-minded, devoted to God. Now watch what happens when I'm compromised. When I'm compromised, born again. I've got a new heart. I have a new willpower. But God gives us something. He gives us something called free choice. We can choose to follow him or we can choose to reject him. And it's very, very uh, grieving to God because when we quench the Spirit of God, we grieve the Spirit of God. It, it's hurtful to God when we go our own way, when we make our own decisions. And this is blocked. And notice that there is no light. The world does not see anything of our Christian life. We make emotional choices based upon our feelings. I feel I should go this way, or I feel I should do this or that. We carry out our desires. We live out the self-life with our thoughts, our emotions, our soul. Our soul is really being influenced by three entities that work against us, the world, your flesh, and the devil. These three entities work against us, and your soul that is in, it has quenched the Spirit of God is fodder for this false information, which facilitates making these awful decisions, which ends up walking after the flesh. And you end up being a double-minded man. Remember in James 1.7, he talks about double-mindedness. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I want to also make note of something else. In the temple, the priest would store in these areas here, which is called the hidden chambers, Various items. Chuck Missler uses this illustration of the hidden chambers as being the subconscious area of your mind that you've given over to the wrong things. And he says this, Do not stuff your junk in the hidden chambers. Unresolved hurts, emotions, guilt, anger, confusion. Don't stuff your stuff in those hidden chambers because they will affect your life. You want the cure is to give them over to Christ. All of us have a past. All of us have guilt. All of us have things that we could be angry for. All of us have th things that have happened to us that seem unfair and that sort of thing and are driving us away. But God wants you to come to him. Come to him with your hurts and your pains and your discomforts. Now, 
Look at none of us, no humans except Jesus, pulled this off perfect. Okay, all of us have made decisions. Every single one of us that we have quenched the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, what do I do? How do I get back in line when I've quenched the Spirit of God and when I'm living this misery out? So, how is someone restored? Well, you have the list of things on your little handout. First of all, recognize and acknowledge the negative emotions, desires, or actions that have occurred. Name how you are feeling. Speak how you are feeling. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm disappointed. Speak it. God will then expose the real root cause, and that's what you want. You want to get down to the root, not the superficial. You want to get down to the root cause of your emotions. And it could be pride, unbelief, fears, insecurities, guilt. And then whatever it comes up with, whatever the Spirit of God reveals to you, confess your responsibility in holding on to these negative emotions. They have separated you from God, and they are sin. And then repent. And you know what repent is? Turn to God. Most people, when they have quenched the Spirit, they're running from God. They're running from God. When you've quenched the Spirit, you're, you're running from, from the Lord. You're making choices and, and decisions that are going to be contrary. They're going to hurt you. They will ultimately hurt you. This is a run from God. And God says, no, repent. Turn to me. Turn to me. And the nice thing about God is whenever, ever, ever you turn, I don't care how dark it has been in the past, his arms are wide open. Can't get any wider than this. Okay, as wide as I can make them. And he welcomes you. Like the prodigal welcomes you and loves you and never, ever, ever condemns you. He never condemns you. He convicts you of sin, but never condemns you and says, you're no good. You're never going to be back. You're worthless. God never uses that. He's always, you're valuable. You're my child. He holds you and hugs you and pulls you to himself. That is the truth about our God. And then forgive. And then God will forgive your sins. Unforgiveness, remember this. For those who walk in unforgiveness, forgiveness frees us up, frees us up from the torturers. As it says in Matthew 18, 34, that they were handed over to the torturers. The one that, that has unforgiveness is the one that lives in the torture, the torture of their emotions and their spirit. And give it over to God to give everything he has shown you. Not only the negative emotions, but the root causes. And immerse yourself into God's word. Replace the lies with the truth. God will then heal your soul, your mind, your thinking, your thoughts, feelings, emotions, that sort of thing. Closing and very quickly we'll be through. Beware of counterfeit teachers. Chuck Swindoll ends this section of his teaching with this. Stop, look, and listen. Those three things. Number one, stop. Refuse to blindly accept someone else's teaching just because others have been blessed by it. Stop long enough to take a serious study comparing what is being taught with what it says in the Word of God. Number two, look. Take a careful look at the life of the main spokesperson. Are they demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that sort of thing? Or do you see greed, sensuality, or dissension? Don't be wowed because someone sounds intelligent or wooed because of someone's charisma. And finally, he says this, listen. Stop, look, listen. Pay attention to the terms the person is using. Don't judge truth just by how you feel. 
or how you think. Make your judgments according to scriptures, what scriptures teach. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. If you do these things, you will not be duped by any counterfeit. That's the truth. Beware of counterfeit teachers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to study your word. And Lord, we're going through the section in 2 Peter where it talks about constantly about the false teachers. Be on your guard. Be alert. Don't be taken in. And Lord, you've given us the methodology to be able to do that. You've given us your spirit that allows us to walk this life out, making faith choices that are congruent with the word of God instead of self-choices which will ultimately hurt us. Oh, how often we have responded to the self-choice because it sounded good, it sounded great, it sounded wonderful, but it ended up in destruction down the line. I thank you, Father, that you've made a way for us to so quickly get back into the light, that if we simply confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a gift. What a wonderful thing. Thank you. Thank you that if we confess and we turn to you, that you always welcome us, arms wide open, and embrace us. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, God. I can say this from my own heart, that you have not treated me as my sins deserved or repaid me according to my iniquities, but your mercy has been upon me. And I say thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness that has guided all of our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.